0: And welcome to another podcast so today I will be reading from Neville Goddard's lecture titled Esau and Jacob and he gave this lecture on November 13th uh, 1959 this lecture is about nine pages so I believe it will be in two parts so at the end of the podcast uh, I'll definitely let you know if if uh, if there will be two or three podcast episodes from this one lecture. Okay, so Neville Goddard tells his audience, as I promised last Tuesday, and I want to give you my personal technique I use when I pray for myself or for others. But for the benefit of those who are here for the first time, I want to say that we believe here that imagination creates reality. And because only God creates reality, Your imagination and my imagining are one with the supreme power men call God. In order to tell you of my technique, I must go back and give you the reasons. I will go back to my personal experiences and tie them together with the Bible. It speaks of the birth of a child in Genesis 25, the child of Isaac and Rebekah. Rebekah, desiring to conceive after 20 years of barrenness, prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord responded to her prayer. And she felt this strange struggle going on within her, and she wondered why, and the Lord said, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. And then at the moment of delivery, out came first a red hairy being, And then came another whose hand was holding the heel of the first, and he was smooth-skinned and hairless. The first was called Esau, and the second was called Jacob. Now the story is, bring me Jacob. If you remember it, Jacob took Esau's birthright, and then he took Isaac, his father, and then he took his blessing. And Esau said to his father, Isaac, have you no blessing for me? And Isaac, his father, said, You shall live by the sword. You shall serve your brother. But when you break loose, you shall break his yoke from your neck. That was the only blessing he could give to the firstborn son, for he had given it all to Jacob, which which means the supplanter. It makes no sense if you take it literally. It has nothing to do with persons called Rebecca or Esau or Jacob. It is all within you that this drama is unfolding. I was seven years old when it happened to me, and I found myself an infinite stormy ocean. I was the ocean, and yet I was Neville. It seemed unconcerned as to what it did to Neville, and it tossed Neville like a wave, and Neville was scared almost to death. The ocean did not care, yet I, Neville, was also the ocean. This happened once a month from my seventh to twelfth year. And I could tell you from the strange sense of expectancy I felt during the day when it was going to happen. I dreaded to go to sleep, for when I began to go to sleep, then I became one with this immensity, and it was all this great ocean. And then a separation took place between the ocean and its wave, but I was still the ocean. Month after month, this division took place until my twelfth year, then it vanished. When I was 21, it returned on a different key. One night, I was contemplating samadhi, and as I was reading this book on the life of Buddha, the light of Asia, I fell into an involuntary trance. When I awoke, the sun was up, and I had not moved for 10 hours. But during that interval, I became infinite liquid light. I was not then divided. There was nothing but light. I was the one reality, and I was infinite light. That was the second experience. Then came others of a secondary state of this division. I was projected with a certain intensity out of my body. I became aware for the first time of this division and that I was more than just this being of flesh and blood. I was out and this reality was in the room looking at this body on the bed. Then I desired to get back into the body, integrating as a unit, and do it consciously. I did it, and then, with a deliberate conscious intention, I intensified this power, and I felt myself moving out again. I desired to come down into the room, and I made sort of a loop. A cloud formation was over the head, but everything was in detail. I could see through the breaks in the cloud, the face that I see every day in the mirror. My face. I tried to go through the wall, and I could not. And then I made a great leap at the wall and knocked myself back into the body again. Man thinks that when he looks into a mirror, that that is all he is. Burn him up and he is gone. It is not so at all. The man that appears from the womb, in this picture, of the twin that comes into the world. Every child that comes from woman is Esau. You may be quite hairless by normal standards, but you are still Esau. He changes his name from Esau to Edom, which means redness or red blood. This being always comes first into the world, and after him comes one to supplant him, and that is Jacob. You do not see Jacob, he is hidden. So it is said that he had no hair. He lived in a tent. That tent was Esau. Then comes the separation, for God and only God brings about that separation, and God is that infinite ocean that will take this being and toss him over and over to bring about this separation. There is something in man that brings about this separation and separates Jacob from Esau. Have you no blessing for me, Father? You asked me to bring you venison, and now I discover my brother has deceived you. Surely he is well named the supplanter. He took my birthright and then my blessing, but surely, father, you have a blessing left for me. This is it. You shall live by the sword. You shall serve your brother, but when you break loose, you shall break his yoke from your neck. There is something in this body that can break loose from this commanding power, and then it dies. That is all Esau can do. So this garment, the body, is under command to obey Jacob. Jacob is all imagination. There is a being in man that divides his garment that moves by compulsion. And when he breaks loose, there is no Esau. Isaiah 49 He who forged me from the womb formed me to bring Jacob again unto him. All he wants is Jacob. He wants to awaken in every being a center of imagining. And that center is called Jacob, the little one. How will he stand, for he is so little? I scared him to death, but I do it to make him alive and a center that can create. In the later Gospels, it is called Jesus, the supreme being that rules the world. Now, from these experiences, I saw the Bible differently. I would read the book and see it differently. I have had only one real beating in my life, and that was by a man who blew out his brains six months later. He asked me about a Bible passage. What does it say, I said. Take up your bed and walk. He said, Bring me the book. I said, My brother has it. There were nine of us, and we did not have nine Bibles. My brother Cecil had it, and I could not get it. This teacher brought out a cane, a long, supple thing, And then I had to get over a bench and then he simply took out my body or took out on my body what it took to explode a sexual expression in him. Then he stopped and I was bleeding. Six months later, he shot himself. It was all because of that passage in the Bible that he beat me. But maybe that was part of the pattern when I misquoted. According to his standard, for his version said, take up your couch. And mine said bed, but it only means that on which one was resting. It was only part of the pattern, so I was being tossed by what or by that ocean. But it seemed not to care about this which it tossed. But still, though it was scared, it knew it could not cease to be until it was part of the, a plan to separate it, so that it could become a center for creation. So I saw the Bible differently. What is this technique? In my 21st year, when I meditated, I became identified with the bliss I contemplated as a sea of golden liquid light. Then I understood. Absorption. That was the secret. If I became completely identified with a state and named it to the, to the degree that I became absorbed, it worked. What became absorbed? Not the garment, Esau. It was Jacob, which is all imagining. Jacob had to be separated from Esau. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. I discovered that the thing divided from this, which I washed and fed, was my imagination. And then I found I could put my imagination any place in space. I put it into my own nephew, and when my sister looked at her son, who was about to make his exit? She saw not his face, but mine. For I laid down Esau and became Jacob, and became Billy and determined to be seen, or be, and determined to be seen by my sister. And my sister saw, not her son lying on the bed, but her brother Neville. That night she wrote to me that she had seen my face and not Billy's. When I wanted to go to Barbados and did not have a penny. I slept in my imagination in Barbados, and saw the world from Barbados. And I went there through the efforts of my family, who thought they had initiated the trip. When I identified myself with the state, others responded. They moved like automations. And then I wondered if I should do it. And then I went back to that passage in Genesis. You shall serve your brother, and every man in the world you shall serve and then you feel right about it. This one was imagining, and every being in the world is serving him. You do not have to ask anyone in the world to help you, no matter what they say. Esau can only live while you have your yoke upon his neck. And when he breaks that yoke off his neck, Esau dies. Yet he perpetuates himself constantly before he dies, that Jacob may put his yoke on another neck. And Jacob is called in the New Testament Jesus Christ. Here is an exercise that I have found very helpful. At home, where I know what every part of a given room looks like, I sit in a chair facing one wall. And with my eyes closed, I look ahead and see not the wall that is in front of me, but the one that is behind me. I see that wall in my mind's eye, and it is now in front of me. Then the room has reversed itself, or I have reversed myself. Throughout the whole Bible, there is this tone of reversibility. I discovered as I read it that it means this. So I see what is behind me as if it were in front of me. Here's another exercise. I would sit physically in my living room in New York City and assume that I was actually standing on the street in front of my apartment house. And standing there on the street, I would see details on the marquee of the building. Physically, I was in my living room on the 16th floor But in my imagination, I was on the street, and I was seeing it. Then, still in imagination, I would walk back into the building, come upstairs, and sit down where Esau was. And the next time I actually did go out and took Esau, when I reached the street and looked at the marquee, I saw on it what I had not noticed the last time I looked at it physically. Luckily for me, when this began to appear when I was seven, there were no psychoanalysts in the little island of Barbados, and if there had been, my father could not have afforded them. They would not have known what was happening to me. Luckily for the work I was to do, I was born there on this little island that had no importance in the world, and no psychoanalyst, so no one could disturb what my father was doing to bring about the separation. It went on for five years, from seven to twelve, and then I was torn apart, but I did not lift that being out until I was twenty-one, and saw it differently. There were not two of us, but I was it, and I could say I and my father, but in the beginning I could only call it a stormy ocean. I was it, and I was also Neville. When I was twenty-one, I saw it and became absorbed in it, or else. There was no Neville. There came this separation on different levels to show how you can pray. You can be anything in this world. I would take a piece of wood or a flower or an animal and try to feel myself as it. And I finally could feel what it would be like to be a glass of water. For everything emanates from divine imagining. And I am it. So then I am everything. There is nothing but divine imagining, and it and human imagination are one. Let us come back now to the practical side in dollars and cents. A good friend of mine here got a letter from another friend who is a professor and whom I admire very much. But professors are so pedantic. They are so filled with knowing and with data already outdated in view of present findings that they are actually, you might say, full of ignorance. Anna is unfolding so rapidly that you are learning from books known to be inaccurate and mistaken. You take unrevised books and commit things to memory, and you get your degrees in a university. This professor, Raynor Johnson, wrote my friend regarding the title of my book, Your Faith is Your Fortune. He wrote, you would like me to comment? I presume he took the statement, your faith is your fortune, and just changed the one word. He did not read the book, yet it says in the book of Proverbs, He who answers before he hears, it is shame and folly to him. Did you dare to answer before you heard the question? And yet you are not only a professor, but also the master of a college in the university? This professor is coming to our land, and I will recommend that you go to hear him. He completely disapproves of the words faith and fortune, yet his motive in coming here is still to take back to his own country money. There's no other reason for his coming, for he is from a department using books already outdated. So what can he give us? So I said to my friend, he has, like so many wise people, mechanical talents, and anyone can take from the inspired work of mystics and write many books and collect money on them. He is coming here only to make some money. But I talk not about a book, but about the book, the Bible. I went through all these experiences, and I know that the secret is identification with the ideal, no matter what it is. If you want money, what is wrong with that? This one who is coming here will not refuse the check when it is offered to him, who is fooling whom in this world. But you are told, thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and pious and revealed them unto babes. So keep company with the babes. And shun the so-called wise and holy people. When this division takes place in you, that is God, and you do not need the help of anyone, for everything came upon Jacob, and only the sword was given to Esau. So this Esau, the body takes food into a stomach, and it must be transformed into bone and blood. It is a stormy process, and the very moment that he breaks loose from the yoke, Jacob is, has placed. On his neck, Esau is dead. does not matter, for the immortal you is Jacob, and you cannot cease to be. Let no one tell you that money or anything else is wrong if Jacob wants to exercise his talent for that. Every Esau has to serve Jacob. If you find Jacob and you dwell in the state and become completely absorbed in it, all the Esau's have to serve you to fulfill that state, and no power in the world can stop it. Read it carefully. You shall live by the sword, and you shall serve your brother. Esau had to marry the Canaanite, and the word means that which would humiliate. But whom did Jacob marry? That which came out of Laban, or Laban, the ideal of the world. The garments marry the Canaanite. My old teacher Ab were here, he would frighten you to death. He used to say, If anyone stands before you, And you think him so important, strip him and let him perform the normal functions of life, and you will turn your back on him. Jacob commands the world, and Jacob is imagination. No one has ever seen Jacob because he is like his father, completely invisible. And then you arrive at the point where you discover your own invisibility. Okay, so I'm going to stop here and end this podcast with part one of Neville Goddard's lecture, Esau and Jacob. So thank you so much for joining me. And I will see you in the next podcast for part two of Neville Goddard's lecture titled Esau and Jacob.